chapter 1 verse 2 to people who are strong and look at us who feel we need the idea or the concept of a God in our life they uh, don't understand us communism the, one of the very laws of communism being in China several times and having talked to me the people there the communist leaders trying to give their people education, degrees, this, that, the other. It makes no sense why they would search for an invisible something called God. So you make more money, you're more educated, you're able to do this and that and the other. Why do you need this invisible something that you can't even prove exists? But some of the professors and teachers and all of that that was in the meetings I was preaching in, apparently their degrees didn't do it for them. They needed to touch and contact that unseen something that they didn't find in a book. Amen. Aren't you glad that let people laugh, let them ridicule, let them make fun, but I'm glad we have that reality tonight in our hearts. <clears throat> James chapter 1 verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. Everybody look at me now. I'm going to see how many of y'all do this. Some of you ain't smiling now. And this is much less than the midst of trials. Now, let's be honest. It's hard to do. Count it all joy. Count it all joy. Joy, when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. The trying of your faith. Isn't it amazing how God couples such things together and the productivity out of one can lead to the productivity of another? Knowing this, that the trying of your faith, not the making of your faith, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word. But once faith ignites by hearing the word, then trials actually try it. Make it stronger, allow it to grow. It gets stronger, then it gives birth to patience. So out of one comes the other. So knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh, so it brings productivity out of that, worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Now, this word perfect is not sinlessness, but it is complete. It's one of the words that they would use in loading a ship whenever they would load a ship with lading, as they called it. So you would have the tackling. You would have the anchor in case you needed it. You would have cargo. But you also needed food. 
you needed fresh water. Now, you're floating on all kinds of salt water, but you dare drink it. So it's everything that they would need in the tackling of the ship to make the journey safe and prosperous. So this is what God wants to do. Isn't it amazing that he doesn't mention anything about deep revelations that will bring this to you? Why? Because it won't. There's only one way to get this, and this is our faith being tried. Test. Let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we're so blessed in that, just to be able to hear your word read. Lord, to be able to get even the shallow understanding that intellect can depart to us by reading it is wonderful. But we know that there's more that lays even beneath just the first glimpse of your precious words. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've chosen to be able to convey it to us in such a way. We love listening to tapes. We love listening on MP3 and the people who are streaming tonight from different parts of the states and the world. I'm sure they love being able to hear the singing and hear the worshiping and hear the preaching. And you could have done your Bible that way. Your Bible could have been written. It could have been put on parchment. It could have been put and recorded. It could have been your literal voice of all the multiple means of media you chose for it to be written down. You had a reason for that. Father, so no matter where we are now, thanks to technology, we can have it on our phones. We can have it in our automobiles. We can have it with us everywhere we go to be a comfort to us. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us to see what a great value we have when we have our Bibles. May we love them more than ever before. But, Father, may we not just love the words on the page, for we know that's what many people do. Many of the message people have made an idol out of the tapes. They make an idol out of the message books. Not so much what the tapes say, but it's just the idolatry of worshiping the tapes. They scream the tapes. They holler the tapes. They shout when somebody mentions the tapes. But it's amazing when you play something that's on the tape that's contrary to what they believe, their screaming turns to silence. So it shows us they don't really love the message on the tape. What they're worshiping is the tapes themselves. So we don't want to worship the Bible as far as the book itself. We worship the God who gave the book. Then when we worship Him, we fall in love with Him first, and we fall in love with His words. So therefore, we don't worship the book. We do not make an idol out of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but we worship the God of those books. Speak to us tonight, Father, as only you can do. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask it. Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. The church and test. The church and trials. The church and anxiety. The church and suffering. The church and tribulation. The church and heartache. The church and difficulty. Do I need to add further to my title tonight? Or you all see where we're going? 
Now, I'm sure that you've noticed in these several Wednesday nights which we've been dealing with this, that we've read more and more and more New Testament scriptures concerning what the authors felt led of God to pen to the New Testament church. Now, again, I say that for many people, their view of a New Testament apostolic church is constant healing, constant miracles, constant signs, constant supernatural, and that's what they wrote about more than anything else. All it takes is a casual search and a little bit of looking, and you'll find out that is not scriptural at all. Now, did they have miracles? They did. Did they have supernatural? They did. But type in supernatural, see how many hits you get. Type in miracles, see how many hits you get. Then type in afflict, afflicted, afflictions, tribulation, worry, anxiety. Type all of that in and see how many hits you get. You know why? Because that's what they have was having so much that they were dealing with. Now this was the original church in the way that God founded it. Now the Lord Jesus told us, these signs shall follow them that believe. But when you get time to do a casual search, type in signs, type in wonders, type in miracles, then type in you will be hated for my name's sake. You will be cast out as evil for my name's sake. The Lord Jesus never said, never one time, that whenever you lay hands on the sick, your reward will be great in heaven. Neither did he say all of those that are healed in the prayer line that you have prayed for, your reward will be great in heaven. Not one time. But he did say, whenever they cast your name out as evil and you are reproached, then rejoice for great is your reward in heaven. Isn't it amazing that we pick out what parts that we think are great and we put such emphasis on it and when we go to looking to make sure that our emphasis is properly placed, it doesn't bear a scriptural record. Now, who would ever think that the Lord Jesus would say that a child of God would have a great reward because they were persecuted for his cause and never say that you would have a great reward because a lot of people got prayed for and were healed under your prayer. But yet he did say there will be many that will stand before me of that day and say I cast out devils in your name and I heal the sick in your name. And he'll say to them depart from me you work of iniquity I never even knew you. So if miracles are associated and reward then those people would have to go in. But you see it's not. The supernatural the way that God looks at it should be that these signs follow us we don't follow them. Amen. Amen, church. But yet because God knew that there would be so many variables into the body of the church, he now he must speak a message in the apostolic era that will cover right on down through time. Now he knew the apostolic move for the most part would be lost pretty much by the second century. By the third it would just absolutely be a memory. By the time it comes down to the end time it would be restored and then that same devil would 
would come right back and go to gnawing at the restored message again. And he would use some of the people that was actually with the prophet of God to try to take away from that restored church the word of Pentecost which had been restored by Malachi 4 and try to tell them same restored people you don't need a Pentecostal experience no more. Now I hate to report to you tonight but they have been successful in a lot of message churches. That's right. But this is one of them. As long as I'm alive anyway, they're not going to get their foot inside this door. Because we still believe what the prophet of God taught, which was a restoration back to the original Acts 2 church. Right? And that Acts 2 church did not preach, well, go in on your grandfather's experience. Go in on your, on your daddy's experience. No, but they believed every individual had to have that born-again experience in order to make it in the rapture. Is that right? And that's what we believe right here tonight, is it not? We don't believe you can, well, my mama's a good woman. Well, that's good for your mama. I'm glad she was. And my grandma, boy, brother Donnie, she was a prayingist woman. That's wonderful. I'm glad she was. But you're going to have to be a praying woman too or a praying man because you're not going in on your mama, on your daddy, on your grandpa. We're not even going in because Brother Branham was a good man. There won't be one of Brother Branham's kids that goes in because Brother Branham was a prophet. There won't be a one of Brother Branham's grandkids or his great-grandkids. They could all be named William, Mary, and Branham right down down. They could be 75 of them, and God will not acknowledge them. God will not accept them because their name is William Branham, 72, 73, 74, 75, down to 185. God will not give them one more ounce of the Holy Ghost. God will not hear their prayer a bit more than he will. Your name is McGillicott or Bab or Smith or Yance or Reagan or Brown or Pink or Yellow, whatever more, because God does not judge His children by their first, middle, or last name. That's right. But God, amen, there's one thing that God looks at, and that is it makes us acceptable, and that is we are accepted in the beloved, the Lord Jesus. We are not accepted because we come to Happy Valley. We're not accepted even because we say, well, God sent a prophet. The devil says the same thing. We are accepted tonight because we are in Christ Jesus. We've got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and the token life speaks for us as individuals and the saints said amen now looking at that then we believe that that apostolic church of course there was ups and downs in their walks with God there was ups and downs in the move of the church and now they're coming through now by the time James is written around 60 AD they've already went through quite a bit of stuff they've had periods in the church to where there was false doctrine, trouble white horse riders done started riding by now of course Paul's already entered into a very difficult time uh, being beheaded by 65 66 AD, you've got a few years left over. Uh, by now, many of the apostles are already entering into, uh, you know, many years of their life. So they've already been through all kinds of difficulty in the church. Are they emphasizing supernatural? They are. They know that if they don't, by the second generation, it will become so watered down because for the most part, the second generation tends to lean more toward the natural with less supernatural. They tend to lean more toward, well, mama said and 
daddy said and brother so and so said and they hear the words and they catch the ideology of what they believe but they tend to pray less they tend to go to church less they tend to be dedicated are y'all going to preach with me they tend to be less dedicated because as a younger generation comes along this is what I appreciate about many of our young people that they don't want to water down this word they don't want to just get in on mama's experience or grandma's experience but they want their own is that right young brothers young sisters y'all want to have your own walk with God your own experience your own baptism of the Holy Ghost that's right you'll never make it in the rapture without it it is not an option it is an absolute demand of the presence of God and then in coming that way we also know then that every one of us are going to be tried now you, you, many of you that's been Christians long enough you know that our trials are made individually uh, so that God would be able to design them in such a way that would help each of us along our journey now many of us are made to where that our human traits are born more and toward a legal aspect some human traits are more toward the liberal grace aspect. Some are leaning more toward the pride and arrogance of what they're able to accomplish. Some people accomplish hardly anything in life and they're so full of pride you can't even get around them without being oozed all over by their pride. And yet they've never really done anything. They have never really accomplished anything. But their pride is in themselves somehow. They really have never done much for God or for anybody else. But yet they are so proud and so arrogant and yet God will have to make each trial each test of every individual so personalized so God cannot just throw out one you know take one of six here's six major trials pick whichever one you want they will be variables so many variables in each one that will be custom made according to the individuals they're going toward and they will change from one trial to another as we develop and we become more mature and our patience becomes stronger in God naturally the trials have to become more difficult how many can say yours have been more difficult the rest of you don't have trials oh my goodness well let me change my text here how many can say your trials are harder than they've ever been? oh now y'all must have heard me okay y'all y'all got your hearing aids on all right uh, so your trials have become more difficult right well now I wonder why that is well, if the trial, the very same trial come the same way with the same amount of pressure, same amount of difficulty that you was having six months after you got saved, you know what that means? You're still six months old. But the trial gets harder and harder and more difficult. And what then you're, you're wondering, am I growing? Look at your trials. They will tell you that you are. Because if you were not, then God would still have to be babying you around, not letting you go through it. Lord, have mercy, Brother Donnie. I'm going through stuff I ain't never been through in my life. I understand. And I throw that right back in the devil's face. And, nah, 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 nah. and you said I wasn't getting stronger. You said I wasn't growing up. Look, friend, I'm not sure how you talk to him. I don't talk to him with respect and honor. He's not the president, the vice president. I humiliate that bird because he ain't nothing but a low down, rotten, lying scoundrel. I make fun of him. I ridicule him. I tell him he's going to hell. I tell him I've got greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Get away from this idea that you've got to say, sir, 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 sir. I don't serve the devil. He ain't no sir to me. Well, praise the Lord. I talk to him like he needs to be talked to. That's exactly right. He is a devil. He is a liar. He is a deceiver. You owe him no respect whatsoever. 
So I like to let him know every now and then that I'm aware, I'm keen to his tactics by the Spirit of God because the Scripture tells us we are not ignorant concerning Satan's devices. So if God left us on the same measure in our trials, never brought us deeper and brought us, you know, we'd become more, more complacent than what we already are as human beings anyway. So God tends to allow the storms and the trials of life to become so greatly intensified. And if we would look ahead in time and look and we say, there's no way I can go through that. There's no way. Aren't you glad God holds a lot of that back from us? You look at the life of Abraham and what God put him through. And when God first starts out, that's a pretty difficult trial for a man that's a heathen and a man that's a Gentile and a man that's raised to be a, a, a worshiper of false gods. And yet God begins to put him a little deeper and a little deeper and a little deeper. And the trials become more difficult and more hard. What is it a sign of? This man is becoming more patient. He's becoming more faithful. He's trusting God more. He's growing up. Impatience and unbelief tend to go together. You'll not show me. Never, ever, ever will you show me a person that has patience with God and has unbelief at the same time. You can't do it because one caters to the other. Now as faith worketh patience, so does impatience and unbelief. They just go right together. So we ask God for something, God don't move, or God don't move in the way we think we ought to move, and well, I don't know what's going on. God didn't hear my prayer. Well, you know, brother, and says, sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no, sometimes he tells us, wait a while. But he doesn't always say it where you can hear it. So here you are, nurse. I mean, you've got your back up against the wall. And you're begging God. You're asking God. You're pleading God. And you don't know what in the world is going on. And what is God doing? God is trying you even in the delay by not saying anything. And when he don't say anything, then the devil says everything. Right? You know that's true. Well, when you ask God, God, please, if I've done something wrong, God, please show me. God, please, God, just drop a bomb on my house. Just at least let me know that you know I'm alive, that you know where I'm at. Anything, God, anything, a rock, anything. Let me know that. And, and, and now, in spite of all that, God will remain silent. And when he does, then the devil, uh-huh, now look at you now. Look at what you've done. You have identified yourself with this message, and you know how it goes on. So, you know, you just say, well, 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 what in the world am I doing now? But what is God doing? God is trying your patience to see, will you believe him even when he is silent? Oh, it's easy to believe him. Yes, he's thundering out of heaven. Every service you come to church, it's like the preacher hones in right on you every service and it's just you and him and there ain't nobody else there. But you know, go to a few services and it seemed like everybody around you got everything and you got nothing. You were struggling to stay awake. You were struggling to keep your mind away from grocery shopping at Walmart after church. And then you was trying to decide which blizzard you want. Boy, I'm leading some of y'all the wrong way right now. You're trying to decide where you're going after. Are you going to get a blizzard or are you going to get one of them peanut buster parfaits? Oh my, will it be cookies and cream or will it be whatever more? And you're sitting there and every now and then you hear something. Glory to God. Amen, brother daughter. You ain't amen in me. You're amen in that peanut buster parfait. 
But yet you're struggling, you're trying your best, and you say, wasn't that a good service? Everybody's going, wasn't that a good service? Boy, amen. Amen. Now you're trying to keep from lying. Boy, I got a lot out of that service, didn't you? Boy, Brother Donnie, he really preached, didn't he? And you're standing thinking, I didn't already get nothing. What in the world is the matter with me? Don't you tell me that don't happen to you. And God in those times is trying you to see. Well, will you miss Saturday night and say, well, I didn't get that much out of it anyway. We might as well go on it down and have a Dollywood weekend. I'd probably get more out of going to Dollywood than I did going to church. So I don't guess I'll go. And God said, no. Nope. Well, you come back on Saturday night. You better believe I'm coming back on Saturday night, God. Because tonight might be my night. Amen. Come on now, church. And yet God tries us in ways that are so different than the way we think. And we're thinking, well, God's working on me to bring this out of me. And then sometimes, no, it's not that at all. But he's actually working on something else. And it's sort of like a domino effect that God will work on this. But he's really going to cause this down here to fall. But he's working on this. And when it tips everything in your life, they're about tied to it. Well, actually topple over with it. So, I mean, we're trying to figure all this out in our mind. I learned a long time ago, you know what, you're better off just leave it alone. You just be man and woman. Let God be God. You just go about your business doing the best that you can to struggle in life. Come on now, saints. Because you look at Abraham's life, you look at the life of many of those men, and you watch how God tried them, and we think, mine must have been one great revelation after another. Really? Apparently you've not read your Bible very close, because if you'll have, you'll find there's gaps of years in their lives. Nothing happens. Do you understand that Abraham is alive and Isaac is now the one God, the predominant one God is shining the light on? And whenever Isaac is the one, then God no longer is dealing so much with Abraham. So Abraham enters into that lull of his older years. When it moves from Isaac over into Jacob, the same thing happens on. Whenever it moves from Jacob over into Joseph, and you find many of these men were right there because the high part in their life, the high part of the revelation of their life had come, they'd reached the crest, and now they're coming down, and they're just living their life, and some of them, their eyes was getting dim, and their eyes, they lost their eyesight. You imagine prophets sitting around blind. God no longer hardly speaking to them. God no longer giving them great revelations. They're alive and yet not Moses didn't even call their name. And yet God is now focusing on another one. Come on children. And you think, oh my, well there's something strange about us. Oh, we have trials and ups and downs. The whole Bible is filled with people like you. When you get tired of the paradise of God and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I'm going to walk in there and I, I am so no count, I'm so no good, and all the rest of these great spiritual people, you know what's going to be one of the greatest things over, uh, for us, overwhelming to us when we get in that realm and our bodies become changed when we finally realize all of those people we made these great heroic people out of, they were people just like us. Oh, they might have been of a different color. They might have been from a different race, a different culture. But they were humans just like us. They had struggles just like us. They had weaknesses. They had deep flaws just like us. The people that you make such great idols out of, they were humans that God had to wear out. They were humans that God had to wear. Well, come on, I'm going to bring it on down. We want to make an idol out of Brother Branham. But I'll tell you, friend, when we see Brother Branham that day, we're going to realize this man was not an angel. This man was not a god. He was a man like you and I. He was a man that had to repent. He had to get sanctified. He had to get filled with the Holy Ghost. God had to rebuke him. God had to correct him. 
Oh, I feel more at home already in heaven. Notice whoever that was for. There you go, free. Notice again now, James chapter 1 verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation. Now remember, you're not to consider it a crime. You're not to consider it a punishment or a calamity. But it is fit for the subject of rejoicing. You don't imagine now. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation. But look at the word temptation. This is the key to understanding where James is coming from. Try an experiment. Trial. Proving. The trial of a man's fidelity, integrity, virtue, and constancy. Now remember, this is not you being tried to smoke a cigarette. This is not you being tried with whiskey or tried by lust or pornography or something like that. It is a trial of your faith in the promise of God's Word. Now there is a great difference in Satan coming and tempting us with sin. God cannot be tempted, neither does he tempt any man. God is not going to tempt you with pornography. God is not going to tempt you with drinking because God cannot tempt. But God will try us. But God ain't going to use a half-naked woman to try his sons. God ain't going to use a cigarette to try his sons. God will use trials and tests, praise the Lord, and he will use sometimes things, my members in your family, maybe people on the job that just really get at you, and God will allow things to come together to try you to see what you will do. But yet remember, you're not to look at that and say, oh my, I, I must have done something terribly wrong. I, I must have done something so disobedient to God that God is trying me. Said The prophet of God said, whenever God tries you, it is the greatest thing that ever happened to you. Can you imagine? We think a new car, a raise in our pay, you know, a new home. Oh my, that's the greatest thing. After receiving the new birth, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, one of the greatest things that can ever happen to you is whenever we're trying. Most of us do not believe that. We would not have this look on our face. Praise the Lord. You see, when Satan tempts us with these things, these are fiery darts. They are not trials. But a trial is like an experiment. It is a test. So, if you're going to take, uh, one of the ones I remember whenever I was going to school as a kid, that the teacher said that you could actually take a chicken bone and be able to put it in a solution. Y'all remember that? Oh, y'all didn't go to Kentucky, did you? You poor old things. Anyway, you could drop this chicken bone down in a solution, and it would be able to transform this chicken bone from something very hard within a matter of days to where you could take it out, and you could bend this chicken leg just like this. I see, after church, what some of y'all was going today, you're going to KFC. 
Now, you know, as a kid, I was always curious anyway. Well, that was an experiment. So you had to have first the chicken bone, and then you've got to have the vinegar, you've got to have the proper solution, and you've got to have a cup, so you've got this part plus that part plus that part, and then you've got to set it in there. So there's certain things that come together to make this experiment, experiment rather work or fail. It's the same way with the trials and the testings of life. Now, sometimes, I hate to say it, but sometimes... I've been convinced about this, that many folks' sufferings is their health. Yeah, it is their health versus sickness or disease. Now, you know, for whatever reason, there's many people, and it seems that that is their cross. Does God not want them to enjoy health? He does. But that's going to be one of their battles, and they'll get over one thing in life, and then it seems like something else will come totally different. They didn't even know they was even bothered by this. And then they get over that. Oh, thank God, thank God. And then doubt hits them. And then they get over gout, and then something, they well, what in the world is going on with me? And apparently there's something about them and their faith and their health that God can use that as a means to be able to get a hold of their spirit, get a hold of their attitude. Praise the Lord. Some folks, they'll never be rich in life. And I know some of you are really going to start crying. They'll never be rich. I don't care how many of the, the monetary blessings in the scriptures that they claim. They'll never be wealthy. They'll never have all kinds of money to go here and there and be like the Joneses and whoever more. They'll never have it because God knows he can't trust them. Well, some of you really got sad, didn't you? Oh, goodness, he knows he can't trust them. So for some of them, they struggle. And in these trials, they'll look at, look at so-and-so. They don't live half the way I live. They don't pray. They're not near as faithful to church. See why you need that test? You're comparing yourself, you see. You're thinking you're overcoming and your faithfulness is within you. So God is going to personalize your trial according to your personal needs. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Well, he does preachers the same way. Come on now. He does preachers that way. He does mamas that way. Daddies that way. Boys and girls. So God personalizes the trials in order to make them where in some cases it will humiliate you. You think it wasn't humiliating for a man of God who laid hands on the halt and the cripple and the maimed and yet he himself problems with his eyes having to write real large letters. The New Testament he says wrote with large letters and yet uh, had to leave his friend Trophimus back there sick and and I carry a doctor around with him everywhere he went, Dr. Luke. You think that wasn't a reproach? Uh, people thinking, oh my goodness, he sure ain't got no faith for himself, does he? He goes around praying for people, but he carries this doctor around. Might be a good idea sometimes, especially in the age we're living in. So he carries this doctrine, and yet he, he practices divine healing, lays hands on the sick. God knows exactly how to make each one of our child. Boy, some of you all ain't saying amen. And God knows how to work on all of us when it comes to pride. You see, some folks' greatest pride is in their looks. Some it's in their family. Their family is better than everybody else. They're different than everybody else. And of course, it's attributed to their great parenting skills. 
And sometimes it ain't wonder that God has to let our families fall apart, nearly bust apart at the seams to humble us and realize I wasn't near as good a daddy as I thought I was. Oh, I know none of y'all don't know what I'm talking about tonight. Maybe one or two of you. The rest of you is acting real somber. <laughs> Come on, friends, be honest. Well, whatever your trial is, God's got your trial number. No matter what it is. Now, maybe you're not a complainer. Maybe you're not a grapper. You go through trials and, and you're able to take them different from everybody else. But God will custom fit yours. He knows exactly what every one of us need. But remember, he's not doing this now to get even at us or to make us bad or humiliate us. He's doing it because he loves us. He gave us eternal life whenever the birth of the seed gene in our soul and the breath of God burst out inside of us. That was the gift of God. But God will not gift us with our character. So the only thing that we can take out of this earth, which was earth made and divine made, will be our character itself. So God does not give us that at the new birth. Or he would have given it to the Lord Jesus. But what does God do? God then molds our character and he chooses you years and years to do it. He could have chose the means of revelation. All of a sudden you're sitting in a church and you hear a preacher preach about trials and all of a sudden, wham! It's just revealed to you. I've got character. Oh. Oh. This is wonderful. I'm above all the rest of you dirt bags. It was revealed to me. I don't have to have tests the way all the rest of you poor humans do. No. And a person that ain't been tested ain't born again in my view. The church that ain't been tested hasn't got it and is not of God. It's one of the best signs we know, Brother Phil, that we know God's with us is when he allows us to be tested. Every son that cometh to God must first be tried, not bastards. God don't try bastards. God don't try the devil's kids. But God wears his out. Hey, that's one of the signs I know I'm his. You want to see my marks? I've got them. Y'all got them? Oh, yes, sir. I've got marks on me. Jesus ain't the only one bearing marks. Now, notice the trials of faith of God's people are graces by which the Spirit of God brings out of them because even our chief shepherd was molded in such a similar path. So God tries his people. You imagine bringing Abraham to the stage to where he says, I want you to take your son, your only son Isaac, and I want you to take him up and offer him. Now God knew the end of the story, but Abraham did not. Now you imagine how he must have felt in his heart. Now God, why would you do this? Through all of these years, I've waited for this boy and you called his name you told me that he was going to be the, the heir how in the world are you going to do it I don't understand this makes no sense to me God so are you going to trust your reasoning are you going to trust what you think or are you going to say that God that gave him to me when I was dead can raise him from the dead because if God's God ordained that life comes through Isaac God can raise that boy from the dead 
But did he have a revelation that it was going to happen that way? Not exactly. He had a revelation that God said he was going to be the father of many nations. He still no doubt left an element of it with a question on it and him pondering and wondering just like you and I do. But you know, God loves to try our faith. How many knows that? But you also know that God loves to put you in an element of a trial so that he can also try your fear. Now sing, sing. So he can try your fear and see how strong your fear is. Or is your fear subservient to your faith? You see, when situations arrive, bad times, I mean, emergencies and all horrible types of things, what's the human reaction? Fear. And then the longer the thing goes on, the more afraid we become. And oh my goodness, we get tore all to pieces. Don't you understand what God is doing? God is allowing you. Now, God already knew that, but he knew that you did not. So God would allow things, experiments, you know, this plus this plus this plus this. And then they all come together right on the table of life. And when they do, then you go all, I go all to pieces and fear, not faith, arises. There's no way in the world we can have a pure, unadulterated faith moving in our hearts and a paralyzing fear at the same time. Now, is it human reaction to feel fear? It is, and we will always be there. But God will allow fearful things to come up so we can be able to look back on it as a son or daughter of God and realize, oh, it gripped me. It happened instantaneously. But at the same time, there was something that rose within me. That was, oh, hallelujah. You would have never known that your fear was so great and that your faith was so much greater had God not allowed the experiment to come to pass in your life and then if it did come to pass and your fear overwhelmed you and you found yourself what? disbelieving disbelieving that God would move now come on friends we've all been there oh God oh oh God no oh God I I don't know what's going to happen I don't know what's going to happen what are we speaking then we're not speaking faith we're not speaking from an assured heart we're speaking from uncertainty we're speaking from doubt which should come from what the fear the overwhelming trauma the anxiety that we're feeling and it's just overwhelming oh no oh no You can imagine then the prophet telling the sisters whenever you're frying meat. And the grease pops out on your hand. What's the human reaction? Oh, oh God, where's the aloe vera? Grab this, grab that. Unless, of course, your fear can be made subservient to your faith. Right, Erica? Happened to my daughter just a little while back. So what does God allow these experiments to happen for? To show you. So when we feel this fear, whenever you feel such fear like that, do you not later feel ashamed? When you feel like your fear has overcome you, then you don't want to crawl in a mouse hole. And <laughs> I wish I hadn't reacted that way. I kind of made a fool out of myself, I think. So what does that do? It humbles us. And the experiment still worked to help you see how great your fear at will. 
so God will try our faith and then God may shift it over to allow a circumstance to come and say look Keith I need you to see your fear Terry I need you to see how gripping your fears you don't realize it I need to allow this experiment to help you see so if circumstances like this arise again say alright be calm be calm let's see how God's going to move out of this Let's see what God's going to do. I guarantee you there'd be more more testimonies being turned in if we would allow our faith to bring our fear subservient. Come on, saints. And we say, oh, Lord, have mercy. I can't believe that. Well, God will allow it to happen. Notice, so when it comes to our faith, our fear, all these aspects that God wants to come, our obedience, our afflictions, our troubles, knowing, in verse 3, James says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. I love this word. Enduring, patient continuance, patient waiting, steadfastness, constancy, and endurance. Now faith is wonderful, but faith without patience won't endure the test. Now faith, oh my, faith's got hair in its chest, we know that, and faith can stand right there, bulldog, and bring it out there, praise God. But you gotta have patience in case faith takes a little longer. Now people say, oh my goodness, faith, faith for a miracle is much greater than divine healing. You don't understand the truth. Faith for divine healing requires a much greater faith, a more constant faith than a miracle. I've prayed for people before that wasn't even saved and watched them get a miracle from God. And then others come up that were godly people, but God opted not to give them a miracle, but give them a divine healing. And the divine healing might take six months, it might take a year, it might take five. But if they keep believing like Abraham did for 25 years, they'll get what God promised them. Amen saints why what is God doing oh God's trying to face he is but he's also using them as an example of patient endurance to the promise of God faith alone isn't enough revelation alone isn't enough shouting joy jumping singing praise God but we've got to have endurance constancy to believe when we feel it when we don't oh hallelujah so, you know, patience is not a, a passive attitude of just basically taking whatever comes your way. Well, whatever. Whatever comes, you know, just let it come. I don't really care. You do too. It's not a passive attitude of accepting, well, whatever happens today, you know, whatever's going to be. It's a perseverance in the face of suffering and difficulty. It just looks right on, not with this no passive attitude, but it has this attitude God said in His Word, oh my, that there's nothing that can happen to me by chance. Nothing can happen to me by mistake. He knew this before the world began. I'm, I'm my Father. I'm the apple of His eye. He loves me. He cares for me. Praise God. Immature people. You watch it. Immaturity always links was impatience, immaturity. Now, folks can be around the church for years and years and still be very immature. Immaturity and impatience go together. But maturity and patience also link together. Amen. Now, we've all been both. Well, I hope some of you have had the other half. (laughs) 
Now, just as faith and patience go together, so immaturity and impatience goes together. Well, I asked God one time and God didn't do it. Well, you may have to keep on knocking. I'm on your hands, Jesus. Jesus gives us the parable of the unjust judge. Said somebody do something with that woman. She's driving me crazy. You imagine that little Mexican woman with that dead baby? Brother Benham sent all the ushers out there to stop her. Billy Paul said, I ain't got no more ushers. Said she goes under their legs. She's going over the top of her backs. Now, if that had sent a deacon to your way and you said, get out of here, woman. Take that baby and bury him. You said, that false prophet. I ain't going back. But this woman's need was greater than her pride. This woman's need was greater than her arrogance and whatever more. She said, my baby's dead. I need an answer. Oh, glory be to God. Billy Paul come back and tell Brother Branham, I, I give more extras there. She's climbing over the top of the backs. She's going down under the legs. She said, I, I just put more there. I ain't got no more to put there. They didn't have enough in that meeting to keep that woman back. I'm telling you right now. Because she had a need and she had faith and she wasn't leaving. She was on Jesus' hands. Oh, blessed be the Lord. I believe if we'd come to church like that more often, there's no telling what we would see our God do among us. They put on a live version of that just last year down in Mexico. You can imagine in Mexico City was where it happened. So they got all these hundreds and hundreds of Mexican believers there and they're acting out this drama from the pulpit. The little brother standing on the pulpit like Brother Branham and this, this woman in the back, you know, and all the ushers and the whole thing. They acted every bit of it out. And this little woman finally brings her, her baby up there and lets this look alike of Brother Branham pray for it. And the woman, you know, the little baby, he yelled out a big squall. And a friend of mine went over later and said, hey, sister, I was curious. How did you make that baby cry? I said, I pinched it. <laughs> I think that's what some of us need sometimes. It's a good old pinch. Wake you up and say, hey, 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 life is here. Jesus is here. What did she have? Perseverance. Perseverance. They tried to run her off. You couldn't run her off. Be like the woman that come to Jesus. I'm on your hands and you ain't running me off. Woman, you're a dog. I know I am, but I'm still here for my daughter. You ain't no good. I know I ain't no good, but I've got a need. Oh my. The prophet of God said she had such faith. Even Jesus himself couldn't run her off. Some of you stop because of the devil. You stop because somebody in the church talks about you. I want such faith that Jesus stands right there in front of me and said, Donnie, back up. I said, no, sir. No, sir, Jesus. I'm on your hands. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. I'm on your hands, Jesus. My health is on your hands. My family is on your hands. My needs are on your hands, Jesus. You see, when the believer learns how to wait on God, there's such tremendous things that God can do. But a believer with faith, lacking patience, look what Abraham done. Married Hagar, lack of patience. Still causing his seed problems to this day. Had great faith. Was he a man of great faith? But he liked patience. Well, come on now, don't get quiet. 
Look at Moses, great man of faith, but he lacked patience, killed an Egyptian. So what did God do? Sent him to sheep school for 40 years. Deal with sheep for 40 years. What is it? Patience school. He graduated with honors. <laughs> Amen. Elohim come down at his baccalaureate service and said, you are fully graduated, son. You have arrived. What's he teaching him? Ah, oh, my. Patience. Oh, he had faith already. He believed and he believed he was the right one to do it, but he didn't know how to trust God. Oh, I wish somebody would hear me tonight. Believe God, saints. Yes. Quote the word. Yes. But learn how to be patient and wait for the promise of God to come to pass in your life. Hallelujah. Notice in verse 4, James says, but let patience have her. Now, why in the world would James call patience a her? Is it because hers are so slow about getting ready? Or? I'm finishing this sermon back here. <laughs> I know at least one reason Jesus likened the church to a woman, a bride. Takes her so long to get ready. I mean, they're the prettier race, aren't they? I mean, you men that think you're pretty, come here right now. Let me get that devil off of you. <laughs> but it takes them a while to get ready, right? And patience. James identifies it as a her. Let patience have her perfect work. But patience is slow. And it's really fast in this push button age when we want everything yesterday. And God still sends patience the same way. Patience is the sloss of the divine family. This tree is 27 feet and 3 inches tall, so I'm at the bottom. I'm just starting. And you're allowed to see it. So you send a text, you send an Instagram, and it's around the world in seconds. And God says, sorry, I don't use text. Patience don't come by Instagram or Facebook. It comes through the south. You say, God, I've got five more minutes. If you don't hurry up, I'm, I'm, I'm disconnected. But let patience have Now, some of y'all been wanting me to slow down for years. You didn't want 33 and a third, did you? <laughs> I would create sleepiness if I started preaching like that. <laughs> Let patience have her perfect work. Now, notice how that he doesn't say that you'll be complete after revelation after revelation, miracle after miracle, sign after sign, sign after sign. But let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire. After what? 
Can't you see why you will be? You'll be ready for anything. You say, you okay? I'm doing good. And people look at you and think, poor old thing, he must not have took his nerve medicine this morning. <laughs> I say, friends, we can laugh at it, but in reality, I wonder how many of us have such patience. I wonder if this is part of why we're not lacking. You're thinking you ain't got the Holy Ghost. You're thinking you're not bright, but it's not that at all. But your patience, you're so impatient. And you want God to move you. God, God, I need to move right now. No, if you need it right now, He'll send it right now. But because you say you need it right now, doesn't always mean you need it right now. So He looks at the situation and said, no, you don't need it right now. If I give it to you right now, you'll be more spoiled than what you are. So I'll give it to you next year about the same time, and by then you really appreciate it. <laughs> Let patience have her perfect work that ye now remember God ain't working on himself. He ain't working on angels. He's working on us. Why? Because my new birth never brought me perfect patience. That's one of the reasons God made me a pastor. <laughs> Because I've been waiting on some of you all to come on for decades. You still ain't there yet. But I believe that you are coming along. And you look back at me and go. Because you don't say amen anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire. Complete. Wanting nothing. Let your patience and your perseverance under suffering hold out to the very end. You'll be a complete Christian when patience finishes her course. But Brother Donnie, what if I leave before I'm done? No way. If you're a seed of God, you won't leave before you're done. 
<laughs> oh, I, we have that promise, friend. There ain't no way he's going to have no halfway kids. There ain't no way he's going to have no halfway perfect, imperfect, high perfect. No way. You are going to complete this course. You imagine what a work God is doing in our hearts after saving us, sanctifying us, filling us with the Holy Ghost. And then he goes to working all this out. And we've still got all this imperfected human part about us. And God, in spite of all of that, produces this. Out of the imperfect, he takes the experiment in our humanity and he brings out this. And my, we're so quick to lose our temper or we want this and that. And else. God says, oh, Think about it. Uh, damn. It's like, I've got to go fast. God, I've got to go. God says, slow. Down. And before long, you're saying, I'm slow down. And you say, glory. I didn't think I could ever do that. Praise God. You still, I was so impatient. You still, I was, praise God. And you're looking for miracles. Complete Christians with patience, with endurance, with faith, with the correct baptism, understanding the proper apostolic doctrine. But not only that, but patient and faithful and enduring and loving God even when you don't understand. When God says no, when God says wait a while, when God don't even say anything. You move right on like you just got done with a five-hour conversation with God. And people don't know it's been days or weeks or months since you've heard from Him. But you are behaving as a consistent, amen, persistent child of God with faith and patience. Listen to this in 2 Corinthians 4.14, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you for all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, Listen to the meaning of this word. Grows old, becomes weak and feeble, loses its rigor, elasticity, under many trials which we endure in the advancing of years. Though the outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day. Praise God. You know what that lets me know, Brother Gary? I'm getting renewing sometimes from the Lord when I don't even know it. Just because you don't recognize a renewing, it don't mean you've got it, didn't get it. According to the Word, God renews us, Brother Phil, when we don't even know it. That's my God. 
And we say, well, I don't think I've got nothing out of those I, 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 There's nothing I can point to that I really remember out of that service. Look, friends, it's not up to you. It's not up to you to do that renewing. This is God's work. How can you renew yourself? You can't. This is his job. Well, praise God. This ain't my job. This ain't your job. This is his job. Which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. The soul, the undecaying part, the immortal part being renewed. You might pass by a church sign one day and just read the sign. Next day you may pass by and see a robin in a tree and all of a sudden say, glory to God. You say, what in the world's the matter? And I said, glory to God. Look at that robin in that tree. Well, glory to God. Maybe God used that robin to remind you of something. Don't think it always has to be a scripture. Brother Tony, would you dare say, I would. I would. Because Brother Adam goes into a coliseum to preach one day. And that was a sign over it. It wasn't Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Philippians, Colossians. But it said this. It's not the size of the dog and the fight. But it's the sight of the fight and the dog. And it encouraged him. He walked into the tabernacle one Sunday night when the place was all packed out. Preached what is the attraction on the mountain. He said, I walked in here and I've seen all those license plates from all them different places. And he said, I'll use that on the devil. He said, I get down like you all do. And he said, I'll use that on the devil. You imagine people coming to church encourage the prophet. Wow. So seeing them people from Alabama, from Georgia, from whatever morning, he was actually going to use that on the devil. Don't you tell me them people don't love me. They showed up to church Sunday night, going to have to drive all night, some of them. Come on, saints. What was the scripture in that? What was the quote in that? But there was something that God used it to renew and to help. I'm sure he does it daily if we'd have our eyes open more, our heart open more, our ears open more. Praise God. Let's pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father. Thank you tonight, Lord, for simple illustrations that can speak to our hearts. Lord, forgive us. Lord, for being impatient. Forgive us, Father, trying to tell you how to make us better. Forgive us, Father, for second-guessing what you do and how you do it and when you do it. Lord God, help us to trust. Help us to trust and rest in your promise. Help us to see, Lord, if we don't walk away with anything but just this one thing tonight. Help us to see our faith is not enough. Our faith can lead us to you. We must believe you are for sure. But we must have patience. And patience must be complete. How many, Lord, have I seen? How many saints? And I prayed for them and pray for them and pray for them for healing. And yet, in your will, you chose not to heal them, but to take them by some disease, some sickness, some affliction. 
Me, maybe with multiple visits to that brother or that sister. And watching in the last weeks or months of their life. And each time, a little something being changed. And a little something more. And a little something more. Till I realized it many years ago. That for some, that's the journey you will take them. And you will finish up that stage of their journey. All of us may not have to go that way. It doesn't mean that person is weak so much. It just means that's what they needed to finish. Praise God. Till patience could have her perfect work. Lord, I've stood by many as the death rattles entered into their throat. And I've stood by the machines long enough to be able to read them. Watch the blood pressure, the CO2, the heart rate. And no, unless you move, it won't be long that they'll be gone. Some of them within the last hour or so, maybe a little confession of something they needed to say, a little something they needed to make right. Brother Donnie, I I, I said this, I... You, you wanted me to do this or that or the other, and I, I, I didn't do it, and it's always bothered me. I want you to forgive me. And in 30 minutes, it was gone. Lord Jesus, the most important thing is that we're ready. However long it takes you to work on us. I thank you, Father. You'll not give up on us. Forgive us, Lord, for our impatience. Forgive us for our hasty natures. Lord, in this age we live in, doesn't make it any easier on us. We want everything so quick, so sudden. We order something from Amazon, it'll be where it can be to us in the same day if we live in certain locations. If not the same day, by tomorrow, that don't make us better. Lord, we want our food right now. We want this, we want that so fast. And yet when it comes to patience, it's the same old way of making it that you've made it for thousands of years. Help us, Lord God. We love you, Jesus. I mean, a lot to be remembered tonight. Pray for me. If you ain't got nobody else to pray for, pray for me. Praise God. My friends, we will be the triumphs of the gospel of this last day. Not just God delivering us from smoking, drinking, and many of those awful, awful things that you did before you got saved. But what God has been able to do in our hearts since we got saved and in our lives, day by day, transforming us, changing us, little by little. Praise God. I want to be that kind of a person. God bless you. Turn around and shake hands with somebody and tell them, by God's grace, that's what I'm going to be. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
having this issue with his voice and been able to talk and the trach and all that that was in there. He's going down to Nashville tomorrow, and they're going to do an exploratory surgery on him on Friday uh, because his situation has got worse. But we believe that our brother's life is in the hands of God, do we not? We believe that God knew this would happen. Do we understand it? I sure don't. I'm sure Brother Daniel don't. But we want to ask the Lord for His mercy and His grace to be with our brother. The surgery, 11 o'clock on Friday. Please remember him not only tonight, but Friday as well. Lord Jesus, as we lay our hands on our precious brother Daniel tonight, Lord. Lord God, you know how we are as humans. Lord, to lose our ability to speak, to talk. Lord, it would be such a heart-wrenching thing for us as humans. You see, Lord, the situation that Brother Daniel has been through. Lord, you see they've tried one thing and another, and they don't know what to do. And now, Lord, they're doing, going to do this exploratory thing on Friday. Dear Jesus, we ask you tonight for your mercy. Lord, if there's something that they've missed, if there's something, Lord God, that they've overlooked somehow, I pray you'd open the doctor's eyes once he gets in there, the surgeon. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for our brother Daniel tonight. Lord, we join our faith together as a body. We ask you, Lord, move for our brother. Oh, Jesus, we ask you tonight, Father, for your mercy that you'd move on Brother Daniel. Lord, may you help him. You see what's the cause of this, Father. We ask you in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord, I know he'd be one to be able to speak and praise your name and talk to his wife, his children, his grandchildren. Greet the saints of God. Praise, give praise to your holy name. That's why you give us a voice, Lord. I pray you'd be with our brother, Lord. God, restore it to him, we ask, Father, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. As believers, that's what we do. We believe. So we have faith in God. Amen. You love him tonight with all your hearts. God bless you, saints. Brother Darrell, would you come? Buddy, dismiss us in prayer. Certainly appreciate Brother Darrell. He's feeling some better. We had prayer for him. Feeling some better, still not well, so maybe you can remember him as well. What wonderful words of life. Something we can take home and use. Amen. Amen. What a privilege it is to serve the living God. Aren't you just grateful for the word that's been given to us in this day, friends? It's going to change our bodies. It's going to take us home. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you richly. Let's just bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I, we just want to thank you tonight, dear God, for the word that we heard once again. Lord, I would be honest before you say I needed to hear this, Lord. But Father, may we not just be hearers of it, Lord, but may it strike down into our hearts, Lord, and may we manifest these things in our life, Lord. 
For Father, truly it's our desire that our lives would be pleasing to you, Lord. That we could hear you say, well done. And Father, we just thank you, Lord, that you used our brother tonight to speak to our hearts, Lord. Oh, we just pray, God, that you would restore our brother's strength to his body, Lord. We pray, dear God, that you would be with each of us as we travel home this evening, Lord, to protect us. And Father, may we meditate upon these things that we've heard, Lord. God, may we wait in patience, Lord. I just want to thank you once again, Lord, for the word that you've given us this evening. Father, the needy that are among us, Lord, we ask, knowing that you're our healer, dear God, may your presence move upon each need, Lord. Do something wonderful for your children, Lord, we pray. We just commit this congregation, Lord, in these words. Father, we take it into our heart and return it back to you, productive, Father. Go with us now, we pray. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, saints. You're dismissed. In the fear of the Lord. Isn't it wonderful to be a Christian? Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. I appreciate you praying for us. I just came down with acute bronchitis. It just kind of hit real sudden. And uh, uh, I was scheduled to preach in Kentucky. And it was, I was really sick on Saturday night. I, t- I told her, I said, I just hate to call the brother and tell him he can't make it and probably not so I went up there and preached sick and by the time I got home Sunday night I realized that might have not been the smartest thing to do but, but we're doing a lot better now and thank you so much for praying for us and, and for our back the pain's up out of our legs now and it's, it's uh, 99% better and so thank you so much for all the prayers and it's really been a it's really been a trial That was one birthday present I hope I never get again. My, my back went out on my birthday. It was in Kentucky, and I, I got up to, to, to go to the bathroom to get ready for service, and my back went out, and by the time I got home, Cheryl had to help me out of the car, and that was in September, but it's just been a real trial, but I've learned a little bit about patience, just <laughs> waiting, waiting on the Lord. So may the Lord, it's just good to be here. Sure love you all. God bless you. Just, I'm, I'm, I'm just so proud to be a part of this assembly, to call this my home church. May the Lord richly bless you. Sing us something, brother. Amen. God bless you, saints. Amen. Let's just sing this as we go. We shall be changed. What key is that? We shall be changed. Amen. Looking forward to that body change. Amen. One of these mornings, F. We shall be changed. We shall be changed. Changed from this mortal to immortality in the twinkling of an eye. We shall be changed We shall be changed Changed from this mortal to immortality 
in the twinkling of an eye. Oh, I'm singing, we shall be changed. Oh, we shall be changed. Changed from this mortal to immortality in the twinkling of an eye. I'm singing, we shall be changed oh we shall be changed changed from this mortal to immortality in the twinkling of an eye oh we shall be changed we shall be changed Changed from this mortal to immortality in the twinkling of an oh sing it as you go tonight. Oh we shall be changed. We shall be changed. Oh changed from this mortal to immortality in the twinkling of an eye. Singing, we shall be changed. Oh, we shall be changed.